generosity. <laughs> and it is Communion Sunday. And if you haven't already gotten your communion elements or in the back there, and I want to read a passage of scripture from Acts chapter 2, verses 41 to 47. You know, Jesus established this communion to do any time, to do it in remembrance of Him. And the early church carried this out in Acts chapter 2, verse 41. It says, Those who accepted the message were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 people were added to them. Someone said, Praise the Lord. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and notice this next phrase, to the breaking of bread and of prayers. Then fear came over everyone. Many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all believers were together and held all things in common. And they sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had a need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with a loyal and humble attitude, praising God and having favor with all the people. Every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. They created an atmosphere with their worship and their things. Now this breaking of bread is what Jesus did at the Last Supper. He broke the bread, but in Luke chapter 24, verse 30, after he was risen from the dead, he was uh, walking with a couple on the road to Emmaus, two guys and they didn't know it was Jesus with them until he broke bread. And it says this in Luke 24, verse 30. It was as, as he reclined at the table with them that he took the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened. You can have an eye-opening experience at communion. And they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. So, communion is a revelation of the Lord. It's where we come into unity with God's purpose, plans, and people. You don't want to be out of alignment with God. And communion is a time where... It's a picture of what Christ did for us, and it's a time when we can come into alignment with God's will. Communion is about coming to Jesus. It's about celebrating His body that was broken and His blood that was shed to deliver us from sin. Communion is about getting filled so much with God that you can be a distribution center of His goodness to others. How many want to be a distribution center for God? Just share the love, share the goodness, share the power. Amen. 
Communion is life. We sang about it. There's life in the blood. The blood of Christ brings, what kind of life does it bring? Eternal life, everlasting life. Communion reveals the Lord. See, they didn't know that it was Him until He broke the bread and blessed it and gave it. Then, he, then they said, oh, this is Jesus. See, they were familiar with this um, event. Those that have experienced the pleasure and profit of communion with Him cannot but desire more of His company. Hallelujah. You know, Jesus is like a laser potato chip. You just can't have one. You got to keep going for more. Amen? I'll tell you, I'm so glad that I have Jesus in my heart. And we have before us these elements here. So what did Jesus do? He broke the bread so that he could distribute it. So Father, we thank you for the broken bread and the broken body of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we partake of this right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us partake. And then he talked about the cup. And he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. God made a contract with us. And he honors his covenant. He honors his promises. And this blood lets us know that we've been forgiven. We've been set free. We've been healed. We've been made whole. Amen? So as we drink, let's be healed in Jesus' name. Oh, and Heavenly Father, we just celebrate your goodness this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you are revealing yourself to us. We're receiving of your life. We're coming into alignment with your plan and your purpose and your people and your holy place. Oh, we give you thanks and praise, Lord, for what you have done for us by giving your life on the cross and rising from the dead. And now you're seated at God's right hand and you're ever living to make intercession for us in the name of Jesus. Someone say, Amen and Amen. Hallelujah. God is a good God. You know, He's alive too. He's not some old fogey. But he is alive and vibrant. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Let's just wait for just a moment here. If you can pray in the Spirit, let's just pray in the Spirit right now. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we turn our hearts toward you. 
And Lord, we repent of our sins, of our shortcomings. And we give you thanks and praise, Lord. We look to you. And we thank you, Father, that as we pray this morning over our country, the United States of America, we thank you, Lord, that you're hearing from heaven and you are healing this land in the name of Jesus. Lord, let your holy fire sweep across this land. And Lord, bring healing, bring light, bring illumination. Father, set things in order in the name of Jesus. Lord, put a stop to the disorder and let the order be established in Jesus' name. And Lord, we give you thanks and praise for healing this land. Only you can bring healing and deliverance to this land in the name of Jesus. Only you, Father, can turn things around in our nation. Only you, Lord, can uh, cover us with your blood in the name of Jesus. We intercede for this nation. This nation will not be delivered into the hands of the enemy in the name of Jesus. But Lord, we will stand against evil and wickedness. Lord, we will oppose it and we will resist it steadfast in the faith in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And Father, we give you thanks and praise that you are alive, God. And Lord, you speak to us. And Lord, we just listen as you speak now. I have called you and you are mine. You are my delight, says the Lord, for I love you and I have plans for you, plans to do great things, plans to achieve great victories, plans to do great exploits, plans to do wonders in this earth. I want to use you. I want to use you as my vessel that I can fill and flow through. I want to use you that I can do great things through. For you are my chosen ones. You are my peculiar people. And I have ignited my light to shine in you. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Are you ready to speak the word? It's okay to do things a little bit differently. Isn't it? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to make our confession. And this is not just words, but this is the word of God. And Jesus has given us the authority to say this. Amen. Amen. And when we say it, it uh, becomes activated. Let's make our confession. We are committed to following God's pattern of giving and receiving. We are pleased to generously invest in God's word and expect a rich return. God has provided and freely given to us all things for life and godliness. 
We give it faith and things return to us, shaking down, making room for more. We are fully satisfied, overflowing, and running over the top. We shout to and magnify the Lord, favoring His righteous cause. He is pleased that we prosper. We gladly honor the Lord with our capital, substance, and our income. God fills our accounts abundantly, and we overflow with the fullness of God's Spirit. God enables us to get wealth, increase in wealth, and become very wealthy to establish His covenant. We abound in grace. We are fully supplied for every good work. God multiplies what we give, and we increase our fruit of righteousness. We are blessed with what God has given us. God makes us rich with no regrets. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance. To proclaim the uncompromising word of God. To build a strong body of believers. And to encourage relationships in the loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And at this time, um, we want to welcome uh, some new members officially. Uh, would uh, Benda and Cookie Moyer uh, come up, please? And uh, Billy and Trina Schlerer come up. Talk about that. You know, we are a membership church and our membership is, is a very simple process, and uh, so they have uh, decided to officially become members, and so um, we're going to welcome them. Amen. I want you all to stand up, and if I can have the leaders come and gather around them, and uh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Ben, I want to welcome you to the ECF family. Cookie, I want to welcome you to the ECF family. Stretch forth your hands. Father, we're so grateful and thankful for these families, Lord, these people in the name of Jesus. Lord, you have brought them here and you have called them and you have equipped them. And Lord, they're sharing their gifts, talents, and abilities in your house, Father. And Lord, they're being fed the Word of God, and they're growing in the knowledge of God. And Lord, we just bless them now in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that a new and fresh anointing will come upon them. And we just thank you, Lord, that great grace is upon them in Jesus' name. Amen. But there was a, um, a, a person high position in a country that opposes God. And they were um, very excited and happy to announce 
that God, which would be their God, has granted them victory over America and Europe, that this virus has not affected them and another communist country, but it's affected everybody else. And they're ahead of schedule by two years of what their plans are to do, to take over. And so what the Lord just quickened to me was, will my people allow them to rave about what they think their God did compared to what I want to do? Hallelujah. So I just want to alert us today that this isn't about permission granted or not, what we can do or what we can't do, you know, whatever state is deciding. This is about the battle of the enemy against our God and his people. And the countries that 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 is calling God their God, our God their God. You understand? This is bigger than just us not being able to do certain things. We have to renounce the enemy and his plan to take over God's places. See, we're supposed to go take over territory. They're not supposed to come take our territory. So as a believer, when you pray, you need to pray for territories to be expanded for the kingdom of God. And start doing that. Start speaking that where you go. Start talking in that language. Because the enemy can't... The enemy is, is arrogant and laughing as they announce that they have won. That they're two years ahead of schedule to whatever their plan was. Well, the life kind of did something similar. And then one day, it all changed. So I just want us to be alerted as, as believers that this is what the whole deal is. It's more than whether or not certain things can happen for our life. It's about a country, and it's about domination. As long as we're here, we get more ground. Amen? As long as, as, long as the Christians are on the earth, God gets more ground. Amen? The devil is not supposed to get more ground while we're all on the earth. So let's go mess with your end time, whatever you believe. But my point is, is, the Holy Spirit is here and he is moving and we speak for him to move. So we have to speak. We have to start Take a nation that's, that's, got a, uh, that's uh, serving another God. The whole nation. Is, and if they serve our God, the God, if they serve him, people are punished. Take those nations. Start speaking over it. Get a map in your house, I don't know, whatever. Print it off of Google. And start speaking that we get those nations for the kingdom. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, in the days of Elijah, there were 400 prophets of Baal, which were false prophets, promoting a false religion. And they were in the palace, sitting at the king's table. They have the ear of the king and the queen. And uh, a prophet came along named Elijah and pronounced that there's going to be a, no rain for three and a half years. And he had a right to do that based on Deuteronomy chapter 11. But then it came time for him to face the prophets of Baal. Because no one else was willing to stand up. So Elijah stood up. And 
it was a showdown. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, when when a believer stands up for God, God will stand with you. Yeah. He stood with Daniel. He stood with Esther. He stood with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He stood with Joshua against all the cities that he, all the kings that he, he took. And it's time for us to come against the prophets of Baal. What's a prophet of Baal? Anyone that wants to kill babies, it, it worships Baal. Anybody that wants to promote homosexuality worships Baal. Anybody that wants to promote humanism over godliness worships Baal. And on that day, God showed who God was. And he sent fire from heaven and licked up the altar and then all the prophets of Baal were killed, slain. And that's what needs to happen. You know, whether you realize it or not, you are in a spiritual war. Well, I didn't sign up for Yes, you did. When you accepted Jesus, you enlisted. He drafted you. So, uh, that's why we need churches like this. That should have been a big amen right there. You you know, I'm not knocking churches, but not every church does what we do or preaches what we preach. Now, there are lots of churches that do. But not every not everyone that does, amen. There are so many people that are bound by religion, and they're just going through the motions, and they have no power, no victory in life, and it's sad. But we have the answer, don't we? All right, let me tell you what's going on this week here at Victory Christian Fellowship. You have come to get to victory today. We have a Bless the Children fundraiser. Today is the last day to place your order. Uh, There are forms in the back. If you have any questions, you can see Kelsey or Sean. And they'll give you all the answers. They can answer any question. Even if it is, I don't know, that's still an answer. No, but they are highly skilled and they'll be able to help you. And then uh, if you know someone, or if you know of a family that is uh, in need that we could help provide a Christmas dinner for. You know, we like to do things where people are connected with people. I mean, they're not just unknown, but they have some kind of connection to uh, our people here. Uh, There's a form in the back, and um, we would like to help them uh, by giving them a good uh, Christmas meal. And if you know that, you can just put that in the offering container. All right? And then uh, this Tuesday, the youth are going to have their Christmas party, Air Force Christmas party, all right? It's going to take off. Uh, this coming Wednesday, we're going to... Huh? Oh, the 22nd, I'm sorry. Not this Tuesday. All right. Thank you. Yes. And then uh, this Wednesday, we're going to continue our Faith for Miracles class uh, for our Wednesday night refreshing service. And uh, there will be no woven this Friday. Alright? And then uh, our Christmas candlelight service will be on Wednesday, December 23rd. Same time as Wednesday night refreshing. So we're going to have a candlelight refreshing night. Amen? And uh, good. That was good. Alright. Yes. Uh, it, 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 
if we uh, experience inclement weather, I will still teach on uh, miracles online. So, yes. You'll still get the teaching. Either way, you're going to get the teaching. All who want it. Amen? All right. We have some awesome Kids Live teachers in this house. And some awesome Kids Live Kids. Live kids. All right. We want to dismiss our kids. Have a great time seed planter, and if you're watching online, anytime you see this, you can also sow online through our website at bcfpa.org. Hallelujah. Well, you ready for the word this morning? Since we've been talking about miracles on Wednesdays, the Lord led me to talk about the miracle of Christmas today. And we're going to talk about some of the miracles that have occurred uh, over the Christmas story. You know, Christmas is the celebration of the birth of Jesus. Amen? Amen. That's a good thing. Yep. You know, we celebrate our birthday, why not celebrate Jesus' birthday? Exactly. Now, uh, he's no longer a baby because he has grown, and uh, but we still celebrate his birth. And the Christmas story is a message of good news and great joy for all the world. Everyone can get happy at Christmas. Amen. Amen? Or I should say, everyone has the opportunity. What people choose to do with that, that's up to them. It, it is when God sent His Savior to the earth to redeem us and to save us from our sins. There were many miracles that occurred in the Christmas story. Miracles are not only for Jesus, but they're for us. Aren't you glad for that? And this is, the Christmas story is truly a magnificent, miraculous story. I want you to turn to the Bible in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. I want you to look at verse 37. The first thing that I want you to know that is miraculous about the Christmas story is that all things are possible. Everybody say all things are possible. In Luke chapter 1 verse 37, uh, the angel had just got finished talking with Mary and he said, for with God... Nothing shall be impossible. Everybody say nothing. nothing. Shall be impossible. How does that work? It works with God. It works in conjunction with God. So the Christmas story reminds us that possibilities are open to us. If you come up against a situation that's impossible, will it stay impossible? No, because if you're with God, God removes the M from the impossible and He makes it possible. Okay? God told the same thing to Sarah. 
in Genesis 18 14, it's similar actually. He said, Is anything too hard for God? Have you ever asked God, have you ever asked God, is there anything too hard for you? How many ever faced a hard situation? Well, is anything too hard for God? It may seem hard for us, but it's not hard for God. God's got ways through it. God's got ways around it. God's got ways over it. So when you come against something that seems hard to you, know that God will set you up for a breakthrough. In Romans chapter 4, verses 20 to 21, in speaking of Abraham, it said, He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform. Are you convinced that what God promised, he's able to perform? How convinced are you? Are you fully convinced? Or is there a slim doubt that's running through? No, you gotta, you got to wipe that doubt out. And you got to become fully persuaded, fully convinced that what God promised, He is able to perform. We don't have to worry about bringing God's promises to pass. God will do that. All He wants us to do is believe it. Just take God at His word. Amen? So it is, it is a miracle knowing that all things are possible. In Matthew 19, verse 26, Jesus had told his disciples that it's impossible for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven, and they were all shocked. Now you wouldn't be shocked if you're poor. Can I get a witness? And Jesus looked at them in Matthew 19, 26, and he said, with, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And really that whole context was someone who trusts in riches. How many know riches are not the root of all evil? But the love of them is. I mean, riches are no big deal to God. He, he, he uses gold as pavement. Hallelujah. He uses pearls as gates. He uses precious gems as a garment for his priests. Amen? He's got all kinds of glistening gems around the throne. In Revelation, it talks about like a, a fiery emerald. So, riches aren't a big deal to God. Then in Mark chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus said that if you can believe, all things are possible to who? How many believers are here today? If you can believe, the door of possibility is open to you. It is possible to be healed. It is possible to be rich. It is possible to have joy. It is possible to be strong. It is possible to have peace in trouble. Because when you believe, 
You have just opened the door of possibility to you. And when Jesus was praying in the garden, in Mark chapter 14, verse 36, Mark 14, verse 36, he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible to you. Jesus recognized that all things are possible. That's why he wasn't nervous when 5,000 plus showed up for dinner. I mean, they didn't show up for dinner. They followed him for three days. Jesus said, these people are hungry. You need to feed them. Right? It wasn't a big deal for God. Why? Because he knew that his father, all things are possible. If you need to get across a lake, you can walk on water. If you need to get to a place faster than chariots, you can run faster. If you need to carry the gates of the city on your shoulders, you can. Why? Because all things are possible. Jesus recognized this about his father. With you, all things are possible. Look at your neighbor and say, don't sweat it. Because all things are possible with God. Stop your worrying. Stop your fretting. Oh, now you're hitting me where it hurts, Pastor. Look at Jeremiah chapter 32. Jeremiah chapter 32, verses 17 to 20. Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. When you look at creation, do you get hopeful that nothing is too hard for God? I mean, when you look at the trees or the sky or the stars, he said in verse 18, you show loving kindness to thousands. You're one of the thousands. And you repay the iniquity of the fathers into the bosom of their children after them. The great, the mighty God, whose name is the Lord of hosts. We have a great and mighty God, don't we? Verse 19, you are great in counsel. If you need advice, we've got the best counselor ever. He's called the counselor, the mighty God. And mighty in work. Our God is a workhorse. For your eyes are open to all the ways of the sons of men. Why is God's eyes open? He's looking to show possibilities. He's looking to open the door of the impossible to make it possible. Impossible is more than just a burger and burger king. It's something that God specializes in. He specializes in the impossible. The harder it is, the more God gets excited. The greater the challenge, the more he rejoices. Why? He just gets to show himself strong and real. To give everyone according to his ways. You know, God's eyes are open because he's watching your ways. 
What are your ways producing for you? And according to the fruit of his doings, you have set signs and wonders in the land of Egypt to this day, and in Israel, and among other men, you have made yourself a name as it is this day. So, the Christmas story is about overcoming the odds. The Christmas story is about doing the impossible. A virgin having a baby without knowing a man, that's impossible. Not with God. Okay, Lord, let me be. I'm, I'm a candidate. I am a candidate for the possible. Oh my goodness. Say it again. Say, I am a candidate for the possible. Another thing that makes the Christmas story miraculous is the miraculous fulfillment of prophecy. Okay? Fulfillment of prophecy. There was a, a scientist by the name of Peter Stoner. And he wrote a book called Science Speaks. And he calculated the chance of any man fulfilling the prophecies even down to the present time, to be one to ten to the seventeenth power. That's a lot of zeros. One to the ten and seventeenth power. Okay? How can anyone think that Jesus just happened? To be in the right place at the right time. So, what that, how that breaks it down is this. How many things are possible with God? Nothing. And do you have the Holy Spirit? Yes. Then you have the author of possibility in you. Yes. Oh, yeah. Amen. Okay, listen to this. This is the illustration of 1 to the 10th to the 17th power. If you were to fill the entire state of Texas with silver dollars two feet high and send a blind man to go across the state of Texas and pick out one marked coin. Okay? That would be the chances of Jesus fulfilling just eight of the hundreds of prophecies in the Bible. Think about that. But, when you got the Holy Ghost, and when you got His Word, you're a candidate for the possible. You can be, that, you, you be the blind man that's picking up the marked coin. Yeah. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will lead you. Yeah. Amen. Listen to this. It was predicted that Jesus would come from Genesis, he said, there's going to be coming a seed from woman that's going to crush Satan's head. All the way from Genesis, it was predicted that someone was going to come to crush the head of Satan. And that is Jesus. Amen? Go with me to Micah. Micah, chapter 5. Micah chapter 5, 
and verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephratah, though you be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth unto me, that is to be the ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. Now, get this. 760 years later, Micah spoke that 760 years before Christ, and 760 years later, the Bible says that Jesus, Joseph and Mary had to go to Bethlehem because a tax was issued by Caesar Augustus, and they had to come to the city of David, and that fulfillment of that prophecy occurred 760 years later. Why? Because he was working through God's plan. See, we have to take our eyes off the wristwatch when it comes to God's plan. Has it come yet? Has it come yet? Stop looking at that. Did God tell you to look at your wristwatch? No. You just go with and believe it. Everybody say, keep the switch of faith turned off. Yeah, just go believe God. Don't worry about the time. I mean, they weren't, they weren't saying, Jesus, it's about time the Savior comes. I mean, come on. Let's go, Jesus. You're the creator. No, they didn't do that. You, you just go believing. You go do what you're supposed to do. You go believe in God. You go living for God. Amen? Amen. And don't worry about the time. But Jesus fulfilled prophecy. I want you to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Let me just say a few words about prophecy. 1 Thessalonians, I'm sorry, chapter 5, verses 16 to 22. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 22. I like how verse 16 starts. Whenever you're having a bad moment, you need to read verse 16. What does it say? Rejoice evermore. Well, I don't feel like rejoicing. Rejoice anyway. <laughs> Who says you've got to feel something to rejoice? <laughs> rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the Spirit. Now notice verse 20. Despise not prophesies. Did you know that Mary did not despise the prophecies of the coming Messiah? The shepherds did not despise the prophecies of the coming Messiah. Amen. There were a lot of people that accepted it and embraced it. Right? So we're not supposed to despise prophesyings. Okay? Go to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy, that's Thessalonians' neighbor. 1 Thessalonians, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy 1, 18. 1 
1 Timothy 1, 18 to 20. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on, on you, that you by them might wage a war, that you might war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. Don't let your faith be shipwrecked. But how, how do you not let your faith be shipwrecked? Live it out. Of whom Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Whoa! Well, that's New Testament. But I want you to notice that he was telling the minister, don't, by the prophecies that were given, the inspired words that were spoken over you, the communication that God gave to you through the anointing, that's how you wage a good warfare. You gotta, you, you gotta believe what God speaks over you. Yeah. It will, when God speaks it, it will resonate with your heart. The Holy Spirit will bear witness with your spirit that what God is saying to you is so. I'll never forget, I was uh, attending church in Tennessee, and um, Pastor Mark Strickland was preaching, and then all of a sudden, he was preaching, and just towards the end, he stopped and he pointed. Now, he didn't single any person out, but I knew he was speaking directly to me. And he, he pointed, he said, the anointing shall increase, shall increase, shall increase. He said, I'm not docking you. He said, keep doing what you're doing. He said, and that was, I took that to heart. And any time that doubt would try to come in about what God wanted me to do, I would refer back to the times where God spoke to me. I would, refer, I would remind myself what God said, and that would help me wage a good warfare. Say, I'm a word warrior. I'm a word warrior. What is the word? It's the sword of the Spirit. Yeah. It is a weapon in the hands of the believer. And we've got to wage a warfare. What kind of warfare? A good warfare. What's a good warfare? That's a war you win. Yeah. Say, I won the war. I won the war. Yeah. Look, you read Revelation, we win. Yeah. Amen? So prophecies are important. The things that have been spoken to you. I can, I can go to the times where God spoke to me in the Czech Republic, in Knoxville, Tennessee, in Cleveland, Tennessee, in LaSalle, Illinois, and in Pennsylvania. I, I can go to the times and, and the Holy Spirit will keep it fresh in my memory. He'll bring it right back to me. And I'll go in that moment and I'll, I'll be reminded and I'll be encouraged of the words that the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Okay? So, what is prophesying? It's communicating and enforcing revealed truth. It's making a message clear. How many want clear messages? Does a prophet lead you? They answer correctly. Who's supposed to lead us? Holy Spirit. What does a prophet
prophecy do? It simply confirms what the Holy Spirit's already saying. Now, in the Old Testament, they had to let the prophets lead them because they didn't have the Holy Spirit. He was only on the prophet, the priest, and the king to perform functions in that office. But we have the Holy Spirit in us. Amen? So, prophecy is like empowered foretelling. It's not all about telling the future. It's to give you encouragement, comfort, and exhortation. Okay? It's divine inspiration. Alright? The Bible says in Revelation 19.10 that the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. Go to 1 Corinthians I'm sorry, go to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. Okay? This is all part of the Christmas story, isn't it? Because Jesus fulfilled prophecies. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 3. I want you to notice, it says, Blessed is he that reads and that hear the words of this what? Prophecy. And keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. How does God feel? What should prophecy do? It should bless you. Say, prophecy blesses me. He said, blessed are you that reads this. How do I want to be blessed? Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians 14. I'm having a good time today. How about you? You know, as a, as a Christian, every day is a season of miracles. You don't just have to wait for Christmas to have a miracle. You can have, they, they can occur often, frequently, as much as you need, amen? amen. It doesn't even have to be a special day. Alright? 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3. But he that prophesies speaks unto men to edification exhortation and comfort. If a prophecy makes you uncomfortable, it might not necessarily be from God unless it's corrective. Because correction is never comfortable. I've never heard anybody say, yes, I've been corrected. (laughs) Bring it on! No, we don't say that. (laughs) We try to avoid correction until we can Amen? Alright, go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Look at verses 14 to 16. The youth should be well familiar with this passage. Neglect not the gift that is in you, which was given to you by what? Prophecy. With the laying on of hands of the presbytery. What's the presbytery? That's the priests or the ministers of God. Meditate upon these things. Upon what things? Upon the prophecies. Upon what's been spoken over you. Give yourself wholly to them. 
That they that your property may appear to all. When you're giving your heart to the prophecy spoken about you, people are going to see it take effect in your life. Amen? And then, verse 16, Take heed unto yourself and to the doctrine. Continue. I'm going to say continue. Continue. For in doing this, you shall both save yourself and them that hear you. Okay? So, Jesus, the, the Christmas story opens the door of possibility. And it's miraculous because of the fulfillment of prophecy. And the third thing is, the Christmas story is miraculous because there was miraculous communication. Miraculous Did you know that God can speak in a miraculous way to you? Yeah. Yeah. God has a great message that he wants to deliver. He wants to communicate it to the world. And it is the greatest news of the most glorious story ever. And God has anointed messengers that he commissioned to deliver his message. Alright, so let's go to the book of Luke. And this is where we're going to camp out for the remainder of the service today. The book of Luke. And we're going to see some miraculous examples of how God communicated and what was said and what was done. Say, if God communicated to them, he communicates to me. I mean, God has many ways of getting his message to you. He is not limited. He can use a lot of means. He can use dreams, visions, angels, other people. Uh, he can use signs and wonders. He can use a still small voice. Amen. He can bear witness with you. There's all kinds of ways. Our God is a master communicator. Amen. He can speak every language. He's familiar with every culture. He's been there, done that. Why? He made it. Amen. God did not have to use Babel to learn another language. He already knew the languages. Alright, Luke chapter 1, starting with verse 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest. Let me say a certain priest. Named Zechariah of the course of Abijah. And his wife was of the daughters of Aaron. And her name was Elizabeth. They could trace back their genealogy all the way as a relative of Moses, because Aaron was Moses' brother. Amen? And they, they were descendants, and Abijah, he was the son of Eliezer. Okay? Eliezer was a, a son of Aaron. They had uh, Nadab, Abihu, Ithamar, and Eleazar. Imagine that family line. Okay? And so they were of the priestly line. Did you know that you and I are priests too? Yeah. Revelation 1 5 and Revelation 5 10 tells us that we are priests and kings. Amen? Yeah. 
You are of, of the you are of the high priest line, Jesus. Glory to God. And the Bible says, verse six, that they were both righteous before God, walking in the commandments and ordinances of the Lord and blameless. So this was their resume. They were righteous. Are you righteous? You may made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And that you are the righteousness of God. You are righteous. Say, I'm righteous. Okay? And they walked in God's commands. In other words, they walked according to the word. Are you a word walker? A word walker and a word worker. Right? And you're a word winner. When you walk in the word, you win. Okay? So they were walking in God's command and they were blameless. But how many know that even when you're righteous, you have challenges? Amen. Verse 7, the sad part of their resume, they were childless. And now they were well stricken in years. That means they were old and advanced in life. Rendering having children hopeless. Everybody say hopeless. hopeless. But what do we know about God? He opens the door of possibility so there's nothing hopeless. Say there's nothing hopeless. Why? God, God can turn it around. All, in, all you need to do is you, you need to believe that. That's it. Trust it. Accept it. Welcome it. Speak it. Okay? Now, their hopelessness did not cause complaining, murmuring, or stopping serving God. What was he doing? He was still serving as a priest. The Bible does not record them being sad, although they might have been, but it doesn't record it. Okay? So, when you experience something that's hopeless, should you just quit on God? No, because no, God hasn't quit on you. There's never a good excuse to quit on God. Too many people quit too early. They quit on God. We don't serve God for what He does for us, but for who He is, and that we love Him with all of our heart, soul, and strength. We're not in this because of, of what God does for us, although He does great things for us. We're in it because we love Him. For who He is. Amen? He is God. He is King. He is Lord. He is Creator. He is Savior. So don't make serving God, don't make any other excuses for why you serve God. This is not the Bless Me Club, although God will bless you when you're members of this place. Called the family of God. Okay? He called you into a family, not the Bless Me Club, but He does bless family members. Alright? So this was a double obstacle. They were old and they didn't have any children. And in that day, society did not look well on people that didn't have children. It was a mark of reproach. But yet he's serving as a priest. In 1 Chronicles 24, David divided the priests into 24 different orders, you might say. 
So they would take turns serving uh, in the temple and in the sanctuary. Okay? And um, so it's never hopeless in God. God's word instills hope. He lifts your expectations. Right? His word is true and will always come to pass. What he promised you, he is able and willing to bring it to pass. With God's word and the power of his spirit, you can break through any barrier that's in front of you. Okay? So, here we are. Zechariah and Elizabeth, verse 8. It came to pass that while he was executing the priest's office before God in the order of his course. This is an ordinary work day for Zechariah. He's at work. He's doing his job. He's accomplishing his tasks. Okay? And his, his task was to take care of the incense... You know, they had to trim the wicks. They had to make sure the incense was there so the lamps could continue to burn. Incense is, is referred to like prayer. Okay? And everybody, verse 10, everybody was, the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. So you got everybody praying, and Zechariah is in the place where it's only him. No one else was allowed to go in other than the priest. Okay? So he's in there doing his work, and all of a sudden, without a notice or a notification or an email or a text, <laughs> an angel shows up on his job in his office. Okay? And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Okay? And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled. He was shaken and overwhelmed. He was startled and gripped with fear, and he was agitated and terrified. You know, he didn't go to work expecting to have an angel show up. He, he looked at his appointment book, and there were no angels scheduled. Okay? Why didn't an angel show up? God needed to communicate a message to him. And this was such a, an important message, it had to come from the highest echelon of God's kingdom. It came directly from God's presence to Zechariah because it involved him and his future. And God had to send an angel because the message would have been too great for uh, anyone else. To God chose to send an He chose to use an angel as the delivery person. Amen? And because God is all-knowing, we can't argue with God, can we? You just got to go with God's flow. Alright? When He wants to do something miraculous, just enjoy the miracle. Okay? Just go with the flow. Look at your neighbor and say, go with the flow. Go with the flow. The magnitude of the weight of the message determines the messenger who will bring it. This message was highly classified. It was brought from the top echelon of God's kingdom 
It was something that was going to happen. Okay? Did you know that everything God does, He speaks about it before He does it? I'm going to create this world. How do you do it? Let, let there be light. He spoke before it happened. Everything God does, He speaks beforehand. Okay? That's how He established it. That's the power of His Word. Okay? And before he does something, he reveals it to his servants, the prophets. That's Amos 3, 7, and 8. Okay? Verse 13. The angel said to him, I want you to take notice that the angel spoke in a language that Zechariah could understand. Alright? God communicates divine messages through divine presence. So the angel has a voice. He's using his voice. He is there on the scene. Okay? And uh, your prayer is heard. So the message was clear. Alright? The angel told Zechariah, he said, don't be afraid. That's pretty clear, isn't it? So when, when God's Miraculous communication takes place. It's going to be very clear. You're not going to go away wondering, now what did God say? Huh? You're not going to get any jumbled static when God speaks. You know? Kind of like when you go up to a drive-thru and you know, Charlie Brown, what was the teacher saying? I have no clue to this day. When God speaks, say the message is clear. Okay? The message was encouraging. Your prayer is heard. Wouldn't it be encouraging for God to send an angel to you to let you know that your prayers are heard? Wouldn't that be awesome? Guess what? Your prayers are heard. You don't even need an angel to tell you because you know if you pray according to the word, he hears you. But praise God when an angel recognizes it. Amen? So the message was clear. The message was encouraging. The message was informative. You're going to have a son. That was the prayer that they prayed. Don't know how long they prayed. Don't know what they prayed. But God heard their prayer. And that was the time to bring it to pass. When it was it, when, when was the condition that he was going to bring it to pass? When it was impossible. That's when God was going to show forth his strength. Why? He gets the greatest glory when things are impossible. Okay? The message was instructional. Name him John. Okay? You're going to name... God already knew what the name was going to be. He already knew what his purpose was. Every person who's born, God knows what your name is going to be, and he knows what your purpose is. But he leaves the choice up to us as to whether or not we fulfill that purpose. Did you know that you had a purpose when you were born? Doesn't matter how you got here. I don't care what the situation was or who God used to bring you here. You're here because God wanted you here. Say, I'm here because God wants me here. He wants you here at this time because He knows you can handle it. If you couldn't handle it, you wouldn't have been here at this time. Okay? 
Then the angel's message was inspirational. He said he's going to bring joy and gladness and many people are going to rejoice. That's inspirational. It was a message of joy. God considers him great. God considered you great. Say, I'm great. I'm great. God, called, God considered John great before he was ever born. Why? God created him. Whatever God creates is great. The message was inspirational. He's not going to drink wine or strong drink, and he'll be filled with the Holy Ghost in the womb. And his message was hopeful. People will return to God, and he will go in the spirit and the power of Elijah. Amen? So the message was clear, encouraging, informative, instructional, inspirational, and hopeful. That's how God speaks to you. Amen? He's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. In that day, there were a lot of sects, religious S-E-C-T-S. <laughs> I didn't know why I had to clarify that. <laughs> and, and, and these religious divisions cause divisions in the family. Okay? <laughs> How do you overcome that? You just keep on going. <laughs> and because there were divisions in the family, who brings division? Satan brings division. God brings unity. So part of what John was going to do, he was going to restore unity in families by speaking the truth. Because there was a lot of division. Otherwise, the Lord wouldn't have said he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. There was division between fathers and children. One believed this and one believed that. Okay? And he was going to make a people ready for the Lord. And he was going to go on the power of Elijah. Now, John did not perform a miracle. Jesus said so in John uh, 10, he did not perform any miracle. What was his power? His power was the conviction of the heart. His power was to preach and have hearts changed. That was the power of Elijah for John. Okay? It was, it was uh, his power of turning hearts. Okay? Let's go to verse 18. Miraculous communication. Can you imagine, you work in your job, right? You're doing what you do at your workplace, and all of a sudden an angel shows up to you and starts talking to you. Alright, verse 18. Zechariah said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man... And my wife is well stricken in years. The New Living Translation says, how can I be sure this will happen? In other words, if you're wanting to know how you can be sure if it's going to happen, there's an uncertainty about it. You're not for sure that it's going to happen. It could or couldn't. How can I be sure? The New American Standard says, how will I know this for certain? Can you see that he's not confident in faith? Faith is, or confidence is a, is a faith word. Alright? 
that the, the God's Word translation says, what proof is there for this? So what's he looking for? He's looking for a sign. What was Zachariah? What was his occupation? Did, did that priest, weren't they supposed to know the law? Wouldn't they have read the prophecies? But yet, somewhere along the line, he lost hope that it would actually come to pass. Yet he was righteous. Yet he was walking in the Word. Yet he was blameless. But he was lacking knowledge. He let the knowledge of those things wait. Maybe he despised the prophecies. I don't know. Because he, he didn't believe it. Okay? The Vincent Word Studies says literally according to what? It demands a standard of knowledge, a sign, for I require a sign because I'm old. What did Jesus say of people who require a sign? They're wicked and evil. He would have had the sign. First of all, the biggest sign is an angel has appeared to you. You're seeing an angel there. The angel's talking to you. Obviously, you know the angel's from heaven. Because of how he's dressed. Because of the light. Every angel had, had light, had the glory around them, right? That would have been the biggest sign ever. But no, that's not good enough. I didn't come from the city state. I come from the showy state. Did you not listen to this? The angel was not to convince Zechariah of the validity of the message. He was only to deliver the message. Angels don't convince you that the message is true. They're just delivering the message to you. And you've got to decide what you're going to do with it. It's not their job to convince you. That's the Holy Spirit's job. You notice the angel didn't give him any other evidence. Okay? And uh, what the angel said in response, verse 19, the angel answered and said, I am Gabriel. Hallelujah. Gabriel means uh, man of God. It means champion of God. And, uh, you know, it was the same Gabriel that appeared to Daniel. It was the same Gabriel that appeared to Matthew. It was the same Gabriel that appeared to the shepherds. It was the same Gabriel that appeared to Mary. He was busy. God had him on some business trips. Right? But, but thank God, when, when Gabriel travels, he doesn't have to go through security. He doesn't even need any love. He just shows up. That's miraculous. How many know God can deliver a message to you in a miraculous way? It's the miracle of communication of the Christmas story. So, Gabriel, it's like he said, he seemed to imply, what, you doubt my message? Uh, Gabriel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God 
And I am sent. He didn't come on his own. He was sent by God. To speak unto him. Remember I say to speak. To communicate. And to show you these glad tidings. I'm here to speak and to show you the good news. The, the word glad tidings means I'm here to evangelize. That's, that's the actual word. It's the word evangelize. Good tidings is the word evangelize. So Gabriel was doing some evangelistic work. That's encouraging for us. When God tells you to deliver a message to someone and they don't receive your message, you don't get upset at them. Okay? And we're saying, man. You're just to deliver the message. You're just to tell your testimony. You're just to tell the story and let them decide what they want to do with it. If they accept it or reject it, it's not on you, it's on God. If they reject it, they're rejecting God, they're not rejecting you. You did what you were supposed to do in delivering the message. Okay? So, um, So Gabriel stood in the presence of God. What does that mean? It, it was a place of honor and favor. It was a place in the presence of a king, or to be with him. It was a token of favor to stand before God. It signifies really that he was honored or favored by God. He was permitted to come near Zechariah. It was a privilege. Amen? And you couldn't be more convincing of the message than sending an angel to deliver this message. Right? There was no doubt that it came from God. There was no doubt that this was an angel. But what Zechariah doubted was the message that he spoke. See, angels are ministering spirits. Hebrews tells us they're ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who shall be heirs of salvation. How many heirs of salvation do we have here today? That God sends his, his angels to minister to you, to serve you. I can't tell you how many times there was an angel that probably delivered me from my stupid decision. There was a couple times, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget, there was a time when I was driving, um, I don't I guess it was Tennessee. I was coming home from Tennessee to Illinois on a break. And I was traveling late at night and I was tired. And I don't know if I fell asleep, but thank God that there wasn't much traffic on the road. And my car, like, was spinning and it shook and it came to a stop. And I was still on the road. I was on the ditch. And an angel was working that night. Amen? Now, I've never seen an angel, but I know they're there. I know they're behind the scenes. I know that they're working. Amen? God's got angels assigned to every one of us. Why? Because God's a miraculous God. So, verse 20. The angel said, Behold, you shall be dumb. When you don't believe God, you're dumb. When you don't believe God's word, you're dumb. <laughs> I just saw that right now. And not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because you believe not my words. 
which shall be fulfilled in their season. This was both a sign and a judgment to Zechariah. He didn't give credit to the message, although an angel was there with the glory of God there, and there's proof that God sent him. Okay? He was temporarily unable to speak for actually for nine months until John was born. Why do you think? What happens if we were to speak in doubt and unbelief? Would that have a negative effect on God's promise taking place in our lives? Well, why doesn't God just stop our mouths? Because you're in control of your mouth. He just happened to stop Zachariah's mouth because he needed his mouth to be silent and not speak in unbelief. Amen? So, uh, and why, why was he done? Because he didn't believe. That, that's, how does God feel about unbelief? Not so good. Right? I mean, what more does God have to do to communicate to us? Should he set fireworks off in the sky? Should he thunder from heaven? Maybe that will convince me. Do you realize that when you read your word, it's God talking to you? And you don't need any other, you don't need any more evidence to change your situation than what he said in his book. Amen? Amen. That's good. But so many people are looking for so much more evidence. They don't believe what God said. They want other proof. Other evidence. You know, even, even the people went to Jesus and said, show us a sign. It was the Pharisees. Show us a sign if you're really who you say you are. I mean, my goodness, he was going around healing people. He was going around raising dead people, causing them to walk. What more signs do you need of who he is? Amen? Let's not complicate God. You know, God is simple, but we kind of complicate it up a little bit, don't we? Alright? Let's go on to verse 26. And let's just touch on Mary a little bit before we go today. Alright? Verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth. You know, Nazareth is an actual city. It's in the country of Israel. It exists today. Alright? It's an actual place. Okay? And uh, notice this. This struck me when I was studying... Um, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, the virgin's name was Mary. Notice verse 28. And when the angel came in, let's say came in. Where did he come in? It was at her house into her room. I mean, it's not like Mary was walking down the street and the angel came in. She was at her home in Nazareth where she was living. And the angel came in to the house. Can you say amen? Once again, he did not send an email, a text, or a notification that he was coming. Angels just show up. Right? They just appear. They don't, a locks can't keep them out. Walls can't keep them out. 
them out, shut doors, take people out. When God wants to send an angel to you, he will show up wherever you are. He showed up in the prison. Remember when he had to wake up Peter? He showed up and the angel came in. I never saw that until today. He came in. Where did he come in? He came into our house. Are angels welcome in your home? Are they welcome in your room, in your kitchen? Thank God he didn't come in the bathroom. (laughs) God's word translation actually says when the angel entered her home. I thought that was amazing. Okay? I want you to consider the lengths that God takes to communicate with you. What will God do to get his message to you? Okay? To give you direction, to tell you of things to come, to distribute his favor and goodness to you, and reveal truth and his will to you. What lengths does God go to to communicate to us? Great lengths. Amen? You know, God is persistent. He tries. How many times did it take Samuel to understand that God was talking to him? Three times. He thought it was Eli. And Eli didn't have a clue. And he was the priest. He was blind. See, Eli was... was it, the blindness of Eli was a sign that his spirit, he was spiritually dull. Oh, it's the Lord. Tell him. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. On the third time. But see, Samuel had no previous knowledge. But Eli should have known it was God. But he didn't. But aren't you glad that God is persistent? If he calls you and the call's dropped, he'll call again. He's got your number on speed dial. Amen? He can reach you in the desert. He can reach you in the jungle. He can reach you on the mountain. He can reach you in the beach. Right? He can reach you in the car. He can reach you wherever you need, wherever you need, wherever you are, wherever he needs to reach you. It's like the president. The communication department of the White House, they can reach the president anytime. They can call any world leader from wherever they are. Why? Because they have a communication network. Get them on the phone. Right? This is what God does for us. Think of the lengths that God goes to to communicate to us. Why? Because he loves you. He wants you to get a hold of his message. His message is so awesome for you. He wants you to get a hold of it. And he'll give several opportunities. Okay? Alright, we're almost done. So, the angel came into her house and uh, he said, Hail, Thou art highly favored, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. I want you to know that Mary was saved by grace just like you and I are. If you read Acts, Mary was at the day of Pentecost getting filled with the Holy Ghost. Okay? Just because she gave birth to the Savior didn't didn't mean that her salvation was automatic. She had to accept the Lord. She had to accept the Word. And she did. Okay? And uh, the angel said things, the, the angel's message to Mary was one of joy, favor, and divine presence. 
Okay? And uh, verse 30, the angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, for you have found favor. Because she was troubled with the, the, the greeting that he gave her. And at any time that you're troubled, God will always deal with your trouble by saying, Don't fear. Every time. He always deals with the fear first. Why? Because the fear will interfere with the rest of the message unless you get the fear cleared up. The fear, you must be cleared of fear. Alright? Fear is like dirt on your windshield. And all you got to do is hit the washer and it will spray and the wipers will go and it will wipe the dirt away. Amen? We need to wipe the fear away. From our conscience, from our thoughts, from our mouths, from our hearts, say, I do not have any fearful part in me. I am fear-free. Hallelujah. Okay? Alright, verse 31. Verse 31. And uh, behold, you shall conceive in your womb, bring forth the Son, and shall call his name Jesus. So the angel said, you're going to conceive, you're going to call, and he's going to have a crown. He's going to rule over the house of his father David. Do you realize, when the angel said he's going to rule over the house of his father David, that her husband-to-be was of the line of David? She's like, oh, we're getting a relative added to the family. <laughs> right? She was well familiar with the divinity line. God chose David as the righteous line. Every king that was righteous was a son of David. Every king that was wicked was not a son of David. God chose David because he said, All your, from your family line there's going to be someone sitting on the throne forever and ever and ever. Amen. So, the angel talked about conception, a call, and a crown. Okay? Verse 34, Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be? Notice, she didn't ask, ask, How shall I know? She asked, How shall this be? She was asking about the process. She only knew of one way to have a baby. And that was to be with a man. And so she was asking about the process, not about the knowledge of it like Zechariah did. She believed the message she just wanted to know how. How's this going to work? Did you know that God's not nervous about you asking how? Moses wondered how he was going to convince the people to believe him. And God said, put your hand in your vest. Pull it out. Leprous, put it back. Healed. Throw your staff down. Snake, grab it by the tail. Stick. God showed him how. Amen. God's not upset about you asking how, but he, when you don't, when you claim not to know, that's showing a lack of faith. Okay. Then the angel answered the question. This was a legitimate, good question that Mary asked. How can this be? The angel said, "The Holy Ghost shall come upon you. How? And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, that." Also, that holy thing which shall be born of you shall be called the Son of God. That's a fulfillment of prophecy, by the way. And behold, your cousin Elizabeth, she has also conceived a son in her old age. When she conceived, Zechariah couldn't even speak. (laughs) 
For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Didn't we start there this morning? Now we're ending there this morning. And Mary said, notice she said, how do you receive salvation? You've got to say something. You've got to use your mouth in activating your faith. You've got to declare what God said. Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, the servant of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. She made a confession, and upon that confession, conception took place. The moment she confessed, she conceived. The moment she confessed, God's seed was planted in her. Hallelujah. Divine communication. Divine fulfillment of prophecy. And miraculous to do the impossible. Is what we learn from the Christmas story. The miracles of the Christmas story. Greatest miracle. Amen. Is Mary different than you? No. Say she's just like me. She's a human being. She has flesh and blood. She has thoughts, feelings, and emotions. You know, she was about 14 or 15 years old. Ladies, I want you to think of when you're 14, 15 years old, you're about to get pregnant. In an unconventional way. Do you think that anybody criticized Mary when she started showing? And her and Joseph hadn't had the wedding yet? Oh yeah, Joseph was even wondering about it. He was like, I'm going to put her away, but we'll get to that baby next week. And then, Mary was just like you and I. Zechariah was just like you and I. One believed the message that they were told. One doubted the message that they were told. And Zechariah's interference was put on hold. Because he couldn't speak. Because he was oh junk. Did you know that when we speak doubt and unbelief, we abort the promise that God gave us? I'm going to say that again. When we speak doubt and unbelief, we abort the promise. I'll give you an example. Israel, what kind of report did they bring back? The ten spies? Evil report, right? Did they experience evil based on their report? They spoke negative words and they had negative results. But Joshua and Caleb, they spoke positive words and what kind of results did they have? Positive results. So, how... The words that we say, the Bible has a lot to say. Don't let any corrupt communication come out of your mouth. That's the New Testament. That's Ephesians 4. What's corrupt communication? It's communication that has been infected with something negative, doubtful, unbelieving. Amen? So we see that God will go to great lengths to communicate to us. Let's receive this communication today. You know what the prophet, I like what Isaiah the prophet said. Or no. Well, yeah, he said it, that's what it said. Samuel said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. That means he is ready to receive any message that he was given. And Isaiah said, here I am, Lord, send me. 
Whatever you say, wherever you say, I'll go. Whatever you say, do, I'll do. Whatever you say to say, I'll say. Amen? So aren't you glad for miracles, signs and wonders? Who needs a miracle today? Miracle in your body? Miracle in your mind? How about you need a miracle in your situation? You're, you're facing a situation that seems overwhelming. God's got a way to remove the over out of the well. Amen? Ooh, that was the Lord speaking. I feel the Lord! Woo! Why don't you stand to your feet today? If anything, we can be more open to hear from God. You know what Revelation says? Have ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying in this moment. Who cares what whatever news program says? Amen? Amen. I care what the Holy Spirit is saying. Because He's the Spirit of truth. He's got the word for the hour, and he's got all the power. Say this with me. Say, Father, I want to be more sensitive to your voice. I am your sheep. You are my shepherd. And I hear your voice. Your voice stands out to me. Who heard his message, they took it to heart, and they started doing it. 
Thank you. 